John chapter number 6. The Lord has sort of sent me in a little uh, peculiar direction that I I know is not real easy to uh, pick up on to begin with. But it's some... Uh, Life-changing truths, if you ever see them, and if they ever take hold. And I don't know if we as God's children realize what we're missing out on. But I've been sent here to tell you about three or four of them that I think makes all the difference in the world. In your walk with the Lord in this old world. We looked at this matter of thanksgiving. When that woman tempted Joseph, the only thing he had on his mind was thanking God. And he was thinking, thanking. And it protected him. There are a lot of things going to come your way. But honey, if your heart's just set on praising God for what he's done for you, it's not a lot this world can do to you. It'll just come right back around and just keep on blessing you. That matter of Thanksgiving, just if you'll just, if you'll just, in whatever circumstance and situation you're in tonight, if you'll get a hold of God and say, Lord, I just want to see one thing to be thankful for in this adverse situation. Once you find that one thing, honey, you're on the road to being blessed. Because you're going to find two and then three and then four and then five. And then you're going to find out it's a gold mine. And you keep on praising him. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And then we noticed last night this matter of forgiving. Forgiving. I read to you the text where his brothers came to him, begged him to forgive them, but they didn't have to. He had already forgave them. And that matter of forgiveness is a boomerang truth that is vital in the Word of God for all of God's children. It's another well of great depth. It's another gold mine. He said, you forgive and my Father will forgive you. And I'm going to tell you, we're living in a world and if you're expecting everybody to treat you right, you're going to be sadly mistaken. God is going to allow some folks to treat you wrong. So you can exercise as a child of God what he exercised on the cross, this matter of forgiveness. And then you can find out what comes out of it. You can find out what comes out of forgiveness. The blessedness of thanksgiving. The reality of forgiving. But I want to, I want to skip over to John's gospel in chapter number Six. And I want to preach on another great doctrine and truth of the Bible that we take uh, so lightly, but it's life-changing. Thanksgiving is life-changing. Are you hearing me? Forgiving is life-changing. It'll change you, and it'll change, I'll tell you so much, if you'll just... Allow forgiveness to abide in your heart. Forgiveness. <laughs> Might ought to preach on that some more. I don't know if we got it well enough. God's given you an opportunity to exercise divine abilities to forgive somebody. Forgive somebody. Is there anybody in this old world that has offended you and done you wrong? Well, first of all, go back to the first sermon and say, Thank you, Lord, because now i got somebody that I can find out that there's something big enough in me to forgive, something bigger than the transgression. But I want to look at this matter of giving, this matter of giving. It's another one of those truths that we can benefit from 
the ministry not only of thanksgiving and what it does for us, the ministry not only of forgiving and what it does to us, but the ministry of just simple giving. Now, I'm not just talking of monetary things, though it includes that. When we think of giving, it means to, it, it involves our time, our talent. Inevitably, it involves us in this matter of, of giving. But the Bible said so clearly, cast your bread upon the water and after many days it will what? What's it say? Return unto you. He said in John, he said, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And we're not giving to make a profit. Don't misunderstand God's already given enough to where we can never match it. But yet at the same time, that's just the heart of God. That if you will give, somehow it's going to come right back in your direction. And you're going to be the one that ends up being blessed. Because you gave. And that's why the Bible said there is a principle that if we grab hold of, what a difference is going to make, it's more blessed to do what? Give. <laughs> Woo! Than to receive. Did you hear that? <laughs> it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We're going to find here in John chapter number 6 that you will always get more out of it than what you put in. Because it's going to involve so much. I'm thinking by way of introduction about this young lad. Not only involves him, it involves Jesus in this matter of giving. It involves uh, the disciples in this matter of giving and specifically this young boy. I don't know if we can imagine all of the blessing that this boy received out of giving just five loaves. First of all, he saw the wonder of how much could come out of such little that he had possessed. That had to be an overwhelming sensation to him to know that just a little bit could go so far if you give it. And it did. But I can't help but believe that with all of those people out on that hillside in such a predicament, so hungry and nowhere to find food, that when that old boy, that old boy is pointed out, he is pointed out by Andrew and said, here is a lad. And all the directions of the people are turned toward this little lad. And they saw the miracle that transpired. I don't believe that these people could ever get over what that boy gave. And don't you know that even years down the road, I can see this little boy, uh, 17, 18 years old, and I can see some people out on the street corner talking about miracles they remember Jesus doing, and they say one or another. I'll tell you one of the best I remember. I was so hungry, I thought I was going to die. There's a crowd of us up there, and uh, I'll tell you, out of nowhere, they caught a little boy up there, and he had five loaves. There he goes right now. There's that boy. Right there he is. He's 17. Hey, boy, come here. Would you, wasn't you the one that gave the five loaves and two fishes? Yes, sir, I was. Well, I just want to know you. I just want you to know that that was a special day and God did something special for me on that day. And because He used you, they just keep coming back to you. And don't you know when He got up old, an old age, I can see little children coming up to him and saying, Sir, my granddaddy used to tell me about you and how you had five loaves and two fishes and you gave it to the preacher and fed a multitude. Would you tell us that story again? Amen. He never got over being used of God, being a minister in this matter of giving. The ministry of Giving. Let's read the verses and I'm going to say three or four things 
about it. Again, it is more blessed to give. (laughs) Do you really believe that? And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is, in, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain. There he sat with his disciples, and the Passover feast of the Jews was nine. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus is saying, I want to minister to these people. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. (laughs) Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough or sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five loaves and two fishes, small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets. I tell you, you always get out more than what you put in. With the fragments of the five barley loaves, if you've never experienced that, then you don't know anything about giving, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Jesus is going to, through means of a miracle, minister bread unto these folks on this day. And in doing so, he's going to involve others in this matter of giving, giving. What Jesus is fixing to do is give this. He's not going to charge them. He's going to give them bread. He is going to freely feed them. And of course, everything he does for us is free. Aren't you glad of that? But I'm going to tell you something. Though it was, it's free to us, it wasn't free to Him. He's paid a price for all that we have received. And here in this ministry, this ministry of, of giving, I want to point out four thoughts to you. First of all, I want to draw your attention to the one who desires to do this ministry. If we're not careful, we can be fooled, we can be suckered, we can be lured, and we can be beat out of our substance by those swift-talking ministers, (laughs) so to speak. And if you don't believe me, turn on your TV and listen to them. As they try to convince you to send them... Your thousands. And they will even offer you a handkerchief that they have sweated on and is anointed for that thousand if you will send it to them. And I want to tell you right now, if you've got that in mind, just go ahead and buy mine. I've sweated on it too. But what I'm suggesting to you is, is you can't be a part of everything that's going on. There's not enough of you. You can't support everything that needs even to be supported. It's not within your ability to do so, and you're not supposed to do so. 
You say, well, then what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to listen to the Lord and what He wants you to give to. He is the one that set this ministry up. I'm not just interested in jumping on the bandwagons of all so-called ministries going by. I want to be a part of what Jesus has set up. He is the one that organizes this and when He sets a ministry up, He will set up everybody He wants to be involved in that ministry. Some folks will be involved in one part of the ministry and some folks He'll impress to be involved in another part of the ministry and some folks He'll impress. But you just make sure that you're a part of the ministry that He has set up and that's where He'll want you to give. He sets it up. He does it on two bases. He does it, he does it based upon his foreknowledge. The scripture did say that he knew what he would do. Now nobody else is going to understand. Now if you've got it all figured out, you're a part of something you don't need to be a part of. If you've already seen the end, you, 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 you're not, you're, you're, you're messing up. You're wasting your time and your money. The blessed part of being a part of what he's doing is realizing that you can't figure it out and that's not why you're giving because you can figure it out. You're giving because you know he's got it figured out. He has the foreknowledge and he's got the faith. Though no one else here believes that these, these, this multitude can be fed, thank God Jesus does. No one else believes it, but Jesus does. And I'm going to tell you, I want to operate in the realm of the ministry in which He is in charge of. I want Him to be the one that nudges my heart. I want Him to be the one that tells me what to do. I want Him to be the one that pulls me in that direction. I want to know that He's the one that started this thing because if He starts it, He's going to finish it. And I don't have to worry about anything else. Amen. I say to you that in this matter of the, of the ministry of giving, someone's got to set it up. Someone's got to begin it. Somebody's got to start it. That don't need to be you, nor does that need to be me. Because if it's me, I'm going to have to go around bumming and begging everybody to keep my little work going. But if it's Jesus, I can rest in Him to do in people's hearts what needs to be done to keep everything going. And when I surrendered to evangelism, I told the Lord, I'm not going to be a ragtag salesman of the gospel going around crying on everybody's shoulder on, oh me, how bad it is. No. I'm just going to go preach the old-fashioned gospel. And when God nudges the heart here or nudges the heart there, He knows the need. He started it. He'll finish it. And it's all up to Him. Isn't it amazing how the Lord put things together? Now, I mean, you know, it may not be that big to some people, but I had no idea I was going to get such a blessing out of this choir. When I left the house, I wasn't even thinking about choir. But Lord, I was taken to heaven with this choir. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost got the stirring in it. And what He gets the stirring in becomes real. I want to be a part of something that's real. Real. And Jesus is here with the intention of doing He's going to. I'm telling you, He's going to feed them up. You hear me? He's going to. It almost wants me, makes me want to volunteer and say, Lord, if you're doing it, would you let me have a part in it? I want to be a part of what you're doing. Boy, isn't it wonderful to be able to come and be a part of a church, churches where you know you can go, Brother Ben, to a place and sit down and know that God Almighty is doing something here, and hallelujah, he's allowed me to be in it and be a part of it. I don't have to worry about what I'm giving. I don't have to worry about how much I'm giving. All I need to know is I need to hear His voice on it. That's all I need to know. Giving begins with the voice of God, not the voice of man. Jesus said, I want to feed the more. He's the one that started this. It was His voice. 
somebody pulling on the sentimental strings of my heart and trying to get my money. <laughs> huh? I don't want to be your sucker. But oh, I'm going to tell you, there have been many times when in the midst of whatever was being said or done that the Holy Ghost touched my heart and said, this is me talking to you. I'm the one that's involved in this. That's the whole difference, isn't it? <laughs> that's the whole difference. Waiting on that ministry of giving that, that the Lord has impressed on your heart. I say to you, somebody's got to set it up. If it is a ministry of giving, Jesus ought to be the one who sets it up and impresses your heart every time. I'm talking about a life-changing truth. Giving is a life-changing truth. But it's not you just throwing money away or just some folks bragging about how much they give or whatever. It's, it's you hearing the voice of God. Somebody's got to set it up. That's Jesus. I'm glad when he moves on it. Aren't you? Uh, uh, in uh, November a year ago, our family gets together, 27 of us down there at the little place, and we dally, and uh, we've got us a little chapel place, a uh, cross up and some uh, benches out there, and we always go out there and have a service. Little did we know on that day of having that service that the Lord was going to set up a ministry. We got out there and got to pray, and God got to move, and we got to testify. Usually in July, we as a family would take a, uh, we, we would uh, go on a vacation. We would camp out together. Somebody, I don't know where it came from, come up out of there with this, this desire. And they blurted out and said, well, why don't we, instead of camping out next year, take a week and do something for God? <laughs> Just like that, the Holy Ghost stuck it in my heart, and I looked around, and everybody else got Google-eyed. Yeah! Oh, yeah! We said, well, what can we do? What is it maybe the Lord wants us to do? And one old boy that was burdened for a certain area, he stood, my nephew, he spoke up, and he said, well, can't we go to... It's where this little girl came out of. This little baby that my daughter adopted. Come out of this ministry. Are you hearing me? He said, can't we go back? Can't we go up there in that area? It was, it was not where I'm from. My brother lived there. It's three hours above where I was raised. But he said, can't we go there? And maybe we can set up a tent and have a revival up there. And everybody... Got on board. Everybody got on board. <laughs> Holy Ghost was just a turn us up. <laughs> well, I'd never done anything like that. Nobody else had. But I'm here to tell you God began to move in that. And I never asked for a nickel in that. In that I mean, we had to haul a, a, a 200 and seat 250 in that. We had everything that it would take. Plus all of the family and then all the ones that came and, and, and all them old sinners that came out of those mountains. We had one fellow that was, uh, the first one saved was 72. Another woman was 70. Another man, uh, 66. And there was 10 of them on down to in their 20s. God, the Holy Ghost moved in that, in that meeting. But Jesus set it up. Now let this be a shocker to you. When we went up there, the Holy Ghost told me, he said in the beginning, he said, no offerings taken up. You're not coming up here to get something, you're coming up here to give. Amen. He said, I'll take care of the whole thing. When we tallied it up, it was somewhere around $12,000 to haul all that up there, get up there, and everybody stay up there. And guess what? Jesus paid for all of it. <laughs> and I never asked, I never called, I was just amazed at every step. I, the, I'm going to say, I, I mentioned that I was going up there. One fellow said, hey, you going up there to set up a tent? I said, it's for him. He said, would 2,000 help you? I said, well, yeah, you can get us on the road. I never asked him. Never asked anybody. 
I'm here to tell you, I like to be a part of what he's setting up. And out of that came not only those young, those people say, out of it comes an adoption of a two-year-old baby, my own brother's granddaughter, and now we're going back again this year. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of what he sets up. Somebody's got to set it up. But now I want you to notice with me again. Verse number 9, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes. In this matter of the ministry of giving, this is a life-changing thing. You've got to understand this. Not only must, must you wait on someone to set it up, you've got to know the Lord is in it. Secondly, somebody, somebody is going to have to give it up. Somebody's going to have to give it up. Because the truth of the matter is, God never does a heavenly work on earth. But what he doesn't do it through a through a an earthly substance. You mark it down. Everything God does on earth. It's going to involve somebody using something. It'll either be a man of God preaching the word of God using his voice and his energies. It'll be, it'll be somebody building something. It'll be somebody teaching something. It'll be somebody whatever it involves. It's going to involve a, an earthly substance. And it's always going to come from his children. Somebody's got to give it up. <laughs> and that's the emphasis. That's where I, I, I emphasize that, that it will be a personal thing. There'll be times when the Lord will come to you. And there'll be people all around you that'll be more capable, you think, than you are. And maybe they are more capable. But he ain't going to talk to them for whatever reason, I don't know. Because there are times when he's going to talk to them and he won't say anything to you about it. But if you are a child of God, somewhere, sometime, he's going to point you out and say, Hey, this is coming from you. I want your time. I want your talent. I want your money. I want you. You say, but God, anybody could do it. I don't want anybody. Haven't you noticed that? When God wants you to give up something or wants you to do something that He'll so burden in your heart that you'll come to the conclusion that nobody else can do it. Amen. <laughs> I'd love for anybody to win into evangelism besides me. As a matter of fact, I told God, I said, Lord, I can't preach that good to, to preach all year round. I'll have to get me a sign and hold it up that says we'll preach for food. I don't believe I can make it. He said, I know you can't make it, but I won't tell him you can't preach, and I want you. And I got miserable trying to get him to pick somebody else, but he said, I want you. There's times he'll come to you, oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 he even, he, I, I'm going to tell you, he, sometimes, he, he even speaks to preachers about their money. Huh? He does. Well, ain't nothing yours anyway. That bread wasn't his. God's the one that started the bread business. Huh? He wants the bread that's his. He's, he's in the bread business and every other kind of business. Make sure it's his voice. But I'm going to tell you, not only will he set it up, somebody's got to personally give it up. You're never going to know the blessing and the rejoicing of giving until when the Lord speaks to your heart, you say, yes, Lord, yes. I'm going to find out how blessed it is to do this. Some of you are looking at me like you're scared. I don't want nothing you got tonight, and I don't need anything you've got tonight. I'm just preaching the truth that will change your life. And I'm not telling you to run out and try it just by throwing your money away. Hold on to it as tight as you can until the Holy Ghost speaks to you. 
And you be willing and ready to do what he says. And honey, you will understand what I'm talking about. Somebody's got to... Now I'm going to tell you something. We don't mind. We don't mind. (laughs) Woo! I felt a breeze. We don't mind rejoicing over everybody else again. We don't even mind if the church will take out of its coffers of the tithes that we've given and give that. That's okay too. We don't mind that. It, it, it is not only personal, but I'm going to tell you, there comes a time when it is going to be sacrificial. It is going to be sacrificial. What you give is going to hurt. <laughs> That's why he's asking. He wants you to feel a little bit of the pain. You know, he felt a whole lot of pain. <laughs> well, but Lord, I just, you know, I just have retired, and you know I've got to put that by well. Who knows? I might have to go to the hospital for a shot or something. I've got to have a... a you listen. He's going to point you out. And he's going to say, this is what I've got coming. This is what I'm going to do. And I want you to know. I want you to know that you're the one I've chosen to do it. <laughs> you're the one I picked out to do it. Somebody's going to have to set it up. Jesus, wait on Him. Somebody's going to have to give it up. And ultimately, it's going to be you. If you're ever going to be able to experience the blessedness of giving, it's going to have to be you. He's going to come to you. And who knows what it's going to involve. He's going to whisper with His Spirit. He's going to say, I need what you got. And I ain't going to leave you alone. It'd be best for you just go ahead and give it up now. Because you've got what it takes. Somebody's going to have to set it up. Somebody's going to have to give it up. Now some of you are looking like now you're going to go tell somebody that I was preaching about money. I done told you I don't want what you got, don't need what you got. But I have been sent here to give you some, some boomerang truths such as forgiveness and thankfulness and giving that will change your life. But then I notice in the text, will you go to verse number 11? The Bible said, And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes as much as they would. Somebody's got to set it up. Somebody's got to give it up. But thank God somebody's got to serve it up. There comes that time when you're no longer a spectator. But you are a participator. And what God, what Jesus has done, is he has taken these 12 men up into this, this faraway place. He's going to do a ministry. He's already got in mind who's going to give it up. But it's going to take more than just somebody giving it up. Somebody's going to have to get involved in serving it up. And so here we have, now you've got to think about this. The Bible said that there were 5,000 men there. If you read the record of the other, uh, other Gospels, and it's in all four Gospels, the other Gospels say 5,000 men not counting women and children. Now you know back in those days, they had big families. And every mama wanted to have as many boys as she could have because one of them might be the Messiah. But I'm just, uh, I'm just going to suppose, I'm going to be moderate about it. Let's suppose that each family only had three children. Now it would be one man, there's 5,000 of them. A wife, that would make 5,000 more, that's 10,000. And three children, that would make, at the minimum, 25,000 people. 
Now, I don't know anything about restaurants other than eating. I have never been a cook at the house, thank God, nor a restaurant. Nor have I served tables, nor have I had anything to do with it as I say. So, I don't know how many people it would take to feed me. Five, 25, I, I, I don't know how, I mean, we ate in a restaurant last year, a year, year or so ago or whatever, they, they're, they're, they said we have, we have 1,200 people that eat here on this day, on this day every year. And I thought to myself, how many, how many waiters and waitresses and cooks does it take to feed 1,200 people? But here we have in this text, we have Possibly 25,000 people and you got 12 doing the ministry. 12, that's, that is serving it up. And here's the truth of the matter. If Jesus wants to perform a miracle, a, a, a ministry, a giving ministry, you've got exactly what it takes to get it done. Now don't get your pen out and say, well, I'll just tell you we need to have and it's going to be and I don't see. No, it doesn't make any difference. I don't see how in the world that 12 apostles could feed that many people in one afternoon, but they got it done. And I want to say to you here at Drake Town, whatever Jesus wants you to do, you've got enough to get it done. And I would say to any other church that's represented here that whatever the Holy Ghost nudges your heart, whatever ministry that the Lord is, is wanting to do through you, you've got exactly what it takes to get it done. There was 12 and they got it done. You say, well, there ain't but three of us. That's all you need. Don't wait on four. If he said do it, just get it done. You say, well, there's just five of us. Don't wait on six. Just go ahead and get it done. I like what you're doing out there. Paul's telling me about what you built. It looks real good. I've been in there. And thank God for it. I don't know how many of you stuck to get it done, but there'll be enough. There'll be enough to get it done because he's wanting to do something. Yes, sir. I want to ask you something. But are you one of the ones that's involved in serving it up. I told a fellow here a while back, he was moaning on Tuesday night. I said, what's wrong? He's a pastor. He said, well, I can't get the Sunday morning crowd out to revival. I said, well, join the crowd. I don't know any church that can. I said, besides, son, don't you know that your Sunday morning crowd is your show horses? That's the ones you brag on. You say, look how many we had on Sunday morning. We all do. Huh? Well, I had a crowd Sunday morning. I mean, there wasn't hardly a seat to be sat in. But you got your show horses. They ain't going to pay for nothing. They ain't going to pull no load. They're not going to get down dirty. they the show horses. Now, if you want to know who's carrying the loads, you wait until Wednesday night. That's your work horses. <laughs> what you got representing tonight are the work horses. And thank God for the work horses. Now, I'm not saying y'all look like horses. I'm just saying <laughs> that, that, that there's just there's a few in any church. There's probably in any church, and you preachers probably could figure this out better than me. But I, I would dare say that it's no more than ten percent of the people that's really doing all the work. It ain't that full Sunday morning crowd. So get your mind off of that. If the Lord's a shooting you in such a direction, He'll give you enough to get it done. He's going to feed 25,000 people. And he hadn't called no bakers. He hadn't checked to see if there's any place to eat or any restaurants. He's got all it'll take right there. I'm here to tell you in this matter of of the ministry of giving. Somebody's got to thank God Jesus will start it up. And somebody's got to give it up. And that's where he gets it from you. And somebody, thank God, is going to have to serve it up. I said all that to get to this last thought. And aren't you glad of that? That in the ministry of giving, somebody's going to have to pick it up. 
Did you see it there in that text? Or do I have to read it? What did he tell them? Gather up the fragments. Huh? These old boys not only got involved in handing this bread out, but after everybody is long gone, they're there to clean up what has happened in the ministry. See, somebody, I'm glad for those that are there in the beginning. That's good. But I'm really glad for those that are there in the ending. I'm glad for those that are willing to hang around not only until it's over, but until everything is taken care of and it is all, as I say, cleaned up. Pick it up. Jesus ain't going to waste nothing. Somebody's got to be there. Pick it up. Aren't you glad for those servants that are willing to humbly clean it up, vacuum the floors and, and, and clean the bathrooms and all of those other? They just stay around for a. I, I, but here's the thing about it. I've done told you that's just a blessing. And this matter of Thanksgiving, you cast it on the water, it'll come back to just. There's just something about how it'll just. It'll find you, it'll search you out, and it'll bless you. Notice in this text, they pick up. They hung around till it was over and they picked, he told them to pick it up. And, they, and, and there's another message in this. I don't know where these baskets came from. I don't know why in the world you'd have baskets out in a place like that, but Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He'll have everything you need. And uh, he said, pick it up. And the Bible said, notice this, notice this. The Bible said they filled how many baskets? You reckon that was by accident? How many apostles were? Twelve. Uh, the Lord, the Lord is not, I'm trying to think of the word, He is not, is it unfaithful to forget your labor of love? Huh? We sometimes think that God's not really interested in us. He's just interested in getting the job done and he's using us. But I will admit that in this miracle in this ministry of giving that for the most part it has been all about them. Now understand that. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But I'm going to tell you something and what Jesus is doing in the ministry of giving for the most part is not about you nor me. No. And if you understand that, it'll help you in your service. It's about them. It's about them. It's about them. And then all of a sudden, it turns. And now, it has become about these men. And he's going to let them know with 12 baskets what he thinks about what they have done. Now, those other fellas, those other people, they got to eat, and they got their bellies full, but they didn't get no basket. But these 12 men had went through every bit of it, and Jesus is wanting to let them know how he appreciates them. And so, he so worked it out. Jesus has worked these disciples. He has ministered and he has given through them, using them and this boy. And when it's all over with, it's almost as if he's saying in a gentle voice, Now boys, before you leave, be sure and pick up your basket on the way out. Pick up your basket. Can you imagine? Woo! Well, you need to hang around sometimes long enough. You might, you might witness something. You never thought she was going to witness. Now, I don't know. I don't know what kind of baskets these were, but since I'm doing the preaching, I'm going to make up my own mind, okay? You don't know what time. I'm going to suppose there's them big horn baskets, you know? And I'm going to suppose that they was pretty good size because, I mean, the only way I can figure is that if you're going to pick up the fragments of feeding uh, uh, 25,000 people, you probably got quite a bit of fragments, and can you see these disciples with their horn baskets up to here? Everybody else got full, but they say they get a horn basket. 
And I can see them as they go to the house with it. And somebody stops them on the way and says, Did you just come from that direction? Yes, sir, I did. Well, i got a question to ask you. There ain't nothing from here to there to eat. Where'd you get all that bread? Oh, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about what I was a part of. I got to serve and I got to see and I saw a little boy give and I was a part of a ministry that I'll never get over. And look what's come out of it. As a matter of fact, get you some if you will. Well, more than I'll ever eat. Did I tell you in this ministry of giving I'm not talking about being hoodooed. I'm talking about listening to the voice of the Lord when He says, this is what I'm doing, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes you'll have to be the one that gives it up, but sometimes you'll be the one that serves it up, and sometimes you'll have the joy of picking it up. And you'll be able to lay down at night and say, oh Lord, what a day. What a day. I'm so glad you let me be a part of what you... I didn't even know this was going to happen. I can't get over it. I can't even sleep. What are we going to do tomorrow, Lord? I didn't even know you could do so much out of so little. Give me an illustration I close. There's an old mountain preacher. Of course, He's just got such a persona about him. I call him the Mark Twain of gospel preachers. He's just got a flavor. He's got, and he writes songs and and just songs that are just so vivid. Uh, Anytime I'm in a meeting, he comes, I always tell him, bring that guitar because I want to hear some more of those songs. But he's got a song that he wrote. And it has to do with this matter of giving and what comes out of it. In that song, it's about a king back hundreds of years ago that one day carried a huge boulder or had a huge boulder hauled and put in the middle of the main thoroughfare into town. And he said, I'm going to go sit back up on the hill and see how my people respond to this. So he goes back up on the hill and he watches as people come out of town and he wants to notice how they react to this stone. The first guy comes along, he's a little disturbed, he looks around in the aggravated mood and wonders what that stone's doing there, so he takes a little stick and beats him a path around it. But he gives no thought to who may be following him. The next guy comes along and he sees the boulder that is there and he begins to ponder what he's going to do about it and finally he just kind of catapults over top of it but he does give no thought to the others that would come behind him. In fact, after many have come and made their own little old personal routes around that big old stone, there came a wayward traveler along that road with his cane in his hand and his, he had a, a burden on his back, a sack. He came upon that huge boulder that was there and he stopped. And he began to think, you know, today, there may be somebody sick in town that's got to get to the doctor. How are they going to get over this? There's some children in the, in the daylight. They're going to have to get in. They're going to have to go to school. How are they going to get around that? They're going to be some parents that's going to have to get some groceries and how are they going to get around that? They're going to be some little babies that's going to have to be carried through there and how are they going to get around that? And it just so, it so caught him in his heart, not thinking of himself, but what all was going to come behind him. And, and so he lays his burden down and he takes his stick and he begins to, through leverage, to maneuver and to push and shove and give all that he had. And he had just enough somehow to get that huge boulder off the road. Making a way. For those who would need a way into town. 
And then he stopped and turned around. And what he didn't realize is that king had put a pot of gold in the middle of the ground right under the stone. He didn't move the stone for the gold. He didn't know it was there. But he said, oh, Lord. From that day on, they said, how'd you get so rich? He said, I moved the stone for everybody I knew. And this is what I got out of it. I broke a little bread for people I didn't know. And this is what I got out of it. It was on that day when I pushed that stone aside and didn't even realize until I spun around that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The ministry of giving. And all I'm asking you to do tonight is in your heart say, Lord, I'm open for the part that you want me to play in what you're doing. And I don't want to go through life and miss the feeding of the 5,000. I don't want to miss. I may be, I'm, I'm, it may be that I can be there and when you say roll the stone away, I can be the one that rolls the stone away. <laughs> Lord, I'd love to have been there to unravel and unwrap Lazarus. That'd have been good. You've got to be willing to give to be in those places. But if you ever get in those places, you'll never get over those places. And you hear somebody saying, hey, did you hear? You hear? You know I saw Lazarus and did you know, did you know that Jesus resurrected him from the dead? Do I know? I was one of the ones that rolled the stone away. I know. Did you hear? The whole town, the whole towns are talking about how 25,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fishes. Did you hear? Did I hear about it? I carried the bread. I picked it up. And he gave it. I just want to be a part of the ministry of giving. Whatever it takes. Yeah. And it may be he may set up house right where you're at. Yeah. And decide he's going to do something special. Yeah. But he's going to want you to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Right. Well, we ain't nothing but just a little old Baptist church. I done told you that's all he needs. That's right, all he needs. Well, I'm a nine to five, seven to three fellow. I ain't got nothing. That's all he needs. All he needs is a heart that'll say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing.